Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Phil, you ready for this? I was born ready, Tim. Oh. We're in the Egg Chasers Rugby Dungeon, a.k.a. JB's Basement. We're in JB's house and he's not even here. I know, he's trusted me with the keys. Well, not that you needed it, because I got let in by um, <laughs> an, a female. Uh, uh, a, the squ- not, squatter? Not not JB's wife, just uh, <laughs> young. young. <laughs> Careful what you say, Tim. <laughs> anyway, I thought I had the wrong house, but we're definitely here, and we're about to start the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. JB has not left me the password for his little tablet, which we play the theme tune on. So I'm just going to see. I'm, I'm just trying to find it. Let's see if I can find... <laughs> It'll have to do, Tim. That's a marching band doing uptown funk. That's not what I intended. Oh well, we'll go with it. Our new theme tune for the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast with me, Tim, with him, Phil. Hi, Tim. And with no JB, although I can report JB who is well, I do have an announcement to make. Uh, JB is not here today. There have been rumours circulating that he's in Italy on a short break with his wife in Sorrento. Um, but I can confirm that JB has accepted full responsibility for the failure of the audio quality on our last podcast. <laughs> uh, lots of people have criticised his selection of audio levels, and in future uh, he should think about selecting the best microphones available to him. <laughs> <laughs> he is considering his future. Uh, he will be appearing on the podcast in a little bit. Uh, we're going to be dissecting the fallout from England's failure um, at the Rugby World Cup. And I can imagine there might be well be some Scots, Welshmen and Irishmen going, oh, at the thought of that. Because I, understandably, the podcasts up till now have been, relatively speaking, England and Wales heavy. And that's because that's where the action has been. But do you know what? I think we need to nail our colours to the mast, Phil. We are British... Yes, we are, Tim. And we are right behind Scotland, right behind Ireland, right behind Wales, and we are going to be vicariously enjoying the World Cup through those nations. Oh, yeah. We'll certainly be loving every second. And I'm I'm even more behind uh, both Wales and Ireland because I put some money on both of them a little while ago. (laughs) So, yeah. Definitely back in those two. So we'll be doing a, a full a full preview of the games coming up this weekend. Um, but there has been some rugby in the last few days and some quality rugby as well. How's it going at the moment in the Namibia-Georgia game? Because I've absolutely loved that game. We're at about the 60-minute mark now, I think, aren't we? Yeah, 60-minute mark, albeit the first half was nearly 70 minutes long. It's currently Georgia 14, Namibia 6. So it was 6-0 at half-time, despite Georgia's complete dominance in the scrum they made a lot of line breaks a lot of defenders beaten but just could not get that final pass but they have since scored two tries 
partly thanks to Namibia's three men that they've had in the bin so far. One of the most entertaining 6-0 halves of rugby um, I've, I've ever watched. I yeah, loved it. It, was, it was awesome, wasn't it? Uh, and then, of course, earlier today, as we record this on Wednesday, and Brian Habana equaled Jonah Lomu's all-time World Cup try-scoring record in the win. Pretty convincing, emphatic win over the USA. Nilled them. 64-0. We've been talking about the kind of narrowing gap between the the smaller nations and the bigger nations that is a big gap but i think it just kind of shows that south africa are right back on track we mentioned uh mentioned last week that they've kind of fallen into the best uh second row and center partnering mm. lou diego who would have been third choice going into this is looking absolutely awesome isn't he and he's if you look at the uh, the overall stats for the competition, which you know I do, Tim. Oh, yeah, of course, Phil. He's he's topping them in more than a few counts, um, right up there and carries ga- carries over the gain line as well, um, making metres, tackles, uh, line-outs, all of that, he's right up there. I was wondering earlier when I was watching the Namibia-Georgia game whether you had a little microphone into Shane Williams' ear because he kept coming up <laughs> with some incredible stats uh, was, throughout that match. He was good. I, I like Shane Williams as like a... Uh, the, the second in charge in the commentary team. Summariser, I think yeah. the technical term is. Oh, is it, Tim? Yeah. In fact, Nick Mullins and Shane Williams is one of my favourite little combinations uh, yeah. as, a, as a twosome in the, in the Rugby World Cup. Commentator and summariser. I'm with you there. I'm Agreed. with you there. I like it. Uh, and then uh, there was some rugby yesterday as well. Canada versus the Brave Oaks. That's is it. Is it the Brave Oaks? The Oaks. The Oaks. Romania. Uh, where Canada were comfortable with another four in four games, DTH mm-hmm. Van der Merwe try. Very good performance by Cuddles again. But Romania snatched it. Biggest comeback in Rugby World Cup history, I believe, with a penalty in the last minute. The Tier 2 nations the tier two nations have... They're the reason this is the best World Cup ever already. To a man, every single Tier 2 nation has shown the rude health that rugby's in and um, long may it continue. And hope we'll be doing everything we can from our little rugby dungeon studio to put pressure on world rugby and the uh, the unions in the home nations to make sure that we do what we what we should do to to make the game of rugby even bigger and better. Was that is that all the rugby since the podcast? That's uh, it, isn't F- it? Fiji Uruguay. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, the other game yesterday, it was very close for the first half, certainly, and then Fiji did stretch their lead a little bit, helped by the Uruguay sending off. If they were in any other pool, they would have won probably at least two games. Mm. Uh, it's just unfortunate for them that they got uh, dropped into the pool of death. Right. Scotland, Ireland, Wales fans, we are going to be giving a detailed rundown of your matches coming up at the weekend and the permutations and what it will take and what you will need to do to uh, finish top of your pool, etc. Or, well, obviously South Africa have already, already finished top of theirs. Uh, but I want, I just want to spend a couple of minutes talking about the fallout since Saturday night. You were there at Twickenham, Phil, as we heard on the last podcast. I was. I really, and... I really enjoyed your article you did for Canterbury on the <laughs> blog. You should go and check that out. By the way, we've tweeted it at Rugby Podcast. That's where you can get in touch with us. It's quite fun writing it. It's even though it was bringing back some painful memories of the actual game. It was quite, it was a really good day out. I said it on on Sunday. I still wouldn't change the day out. Kind of the buzz around the place, just people walking around in every nation shirt. Just a real good atmosphere. So I, I really reckon, enjoyed it. I reckon the buzz was you and your caffeine addiction. <laughs> Did you do you sleep all right? Do you suffer from insomnia? I tend to uh, stop drinking coffee after about one or two in the evening. A couple of pints as well, so it all balanced it out. Fair enough. And yeah, I, I missed the the last podcast, um, and I really wanted to be on that one to 
to be there to talk about England's failure. But I was at the NFL, and again, there was um, that was good. That was good fun. Our egg-shaped ball cousins from the states. Not a very good game, but I was absolutely smashed. So <laughs> <laughs> didn't really mind. Who was uh, was it? Jets. Jets. Jets Dolphins. Dolphins. Jets. Yeah. My team. Jets are my team. So yeah. And they won. And they won, yet yeah, comfortably. Absolutely Good. smashed them. Happy days. So, um, I've got a few questions and a few points based on the things that have been tweeted to us at Rugby Podcast. Um, that's where you can get in touch with us. You can listen on iTunes and listen on the Acast app, which you can download as well. Subscribe, and then every episode will get to you. There's a lot been said and a lot been written, and journalists doing what journalists do, which is trying to shift copies of their newspaper. And former players have been coming out the woodwork and making statements and... People you've never heard of have been saying things. So I've got little headlines. Here's one that I want to deal with, Phil. Suddenly, apparently, according to many people tweeting us and many people writing on forums and newspaper articles and stuff, apparently Chris Robshaw is is not an international quality player. Nonsense. I don't, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think we need to waste much time here. That's um, if, if that's If that is the question or if that's the statement, then that is nonsense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the facts are he's not as good as Pooper, um, uh, yeah, and he, and he's not as good as Richie McCaw. We we know he's not a Fetcher style seven. No, he is comfortably the best seven in England. Yeah. The best seven that England have available. Available. Have available. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was I was running through it with my old man uh, the other day after we we're dissecting the loss and the squad and the fallout, and he asked me a question. Well, who's next in line to be that seven? And it's well. Maybe Tom Wood or Haskell, but both of them are the same as Robshaw. Yep. They're not true sevens. Yeah, Callum Clark, who has been tried at seven, is another six and a six half. Six and a half. Yeah, um, he looks good uh, for Northampton, but he's not an international caliber. Then Kvesic. <sighs> I mean, Gloucester fans got in touch and said, "You obviously haven't watched uh, Kvesic play this last season." Well, yeah, we have, and he's better than he was the season before, but he's still not. He he's a bit of a penalty machine in yeah. my, from from the games. I don't watch him week in week out, yeah. but I watch certainly more Premiership rugby than most. Yeah. Uh, he's a bit of a penalty machine. He's n- probably not an especially athletic player. Certainly not in the pooper no. mould. Again, he's a solid Premiership player. Nothing more. Uh, Will Fraser was the one we were excited about when you go back a couple of years and we were looking ahead to uh, the World Cup, but injury stopped that one from happening. Hopefully, with a with a fresh run of injuries and a good season under his belt of Saracens, maybe in a year's time we're talking about Will Fraser. Yeah, and he, he's played in, I believe, two pre-season games for Saracens this year and has got at least one man-of-the-match performance. Mm. So we've said this a couple of times previously, but providing he stays fit, he's got a good opportunity to get in there. The one player that... I think England are missing is Tom Rees. That's he's, an interesting shout. He's he's only thirty one mm. now and he's been retired what four years, something like that, because of knee injuries. Since Neil back retired. And obviously we are acknowledging Stefan Armitage, but yeah, but that's we, we we don't we don't need to go over all ground there. Yeah, that's a good shout that Phil. Uh, so I think what in summary to everyone that has suddenly said Chris Robshaw is not an international quality player pipe down you're entitled to your opinion that's fine but I completely disagree yeah he, he isn't in the same mould as Pocock or Hooper um, and if England did have an outstanding seven there's a very good chance that Robshaw would be moved to six yep but he is he is an international kind of player you look at you look at his stats week in week out game in game out and he's consistently right up there with tackles carries his handling's good he's intelligent albeit he has made a couple of bad decisions and in the I past few years. I wouldn't mind betting a lot of the people that are now saying he's not an international quality player 
were also the people who were up in arms when he didn't get selected for a Lions tour. Because <laughs> people have short memories and uh, people contradict themselves all the time. Believe me, I know all about that. We have <laughs> we have one one third of the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast uh, completely changes uh, with the wind from one week to the next. Uh, and we'll get on to JB in just a minute. Uh, sec- <laughs> second statement. I thought you meant me there. <laughs> second statement I'll make then. Chris Robshaw is a terrible captain. That's what. The, that's the two things. The two things people have been going. I've, I've been listening to phone-ins and people talking in pubs and stuff. And it's oh, he's a terrible captain, and he's he's a useless seven. Should never be in the England team. So he's a terrible captain as well. Now we all questioned his leadership with that decision against Wales. Yeah, and uh, that's. I think that's an acceptable criticism to level at him. It is. It it was a tough decision to make. Have you, have you ever heard of the poker term, playing on tilt? No, I've not. So if you're playing poker, you play normal strategy. You'll have your strategy and you'll play within kind of the rules of that strategy. If you get a bad beat, which is where you should win, yep. but you find yourself losing, people are said to play on tilt, in inverted commas, which means they'll they'll make rash decisions because they're slightly annoyed, slightly het up. They're trying to catch up with where they think they should be they think luck's going to be with them this time that kind of thing right and it almost felt like robshaw was playing on, on tilt, tilt um because england were the better team for 60 minutes and then yeah. 10 minutes later he found himself in that position where they were down and under normal circumstances in a normal game I th- i'm pretty certain he would have made the right decision mm. but he ended up making the wrong one I-, I would also point out it was called the pool of death for a reason one of those three <laughs> teams had to go out so the question I put out on Twitter um, to kind of try and you know create a bit of conversation in this whole area around Chris Robshaw isn't good enough to be England captain. So basically, I, I tweeted out saying, "Okay, well, who should be?" And the most popular responses we got uh, at Rugby Podcast, you can get in touch if you uh, agree, disagree with these, were Joe Launchbury and Maro Itoji. <laughs> now. Launchbury is a very good player and he's a very good player. Will will be in the starting fifteen yes. for many years to come. But in terms of leadership and captain no. material, no. No chance. And Itoji has huge potential. Massive, yeah. But he's only just breaking into the Saracens fifteen. He's he's not even guaranteed a starting position in the Saracens fifteen. So to call for him to be England captain at twenty one with so little experience. I went back to that two thousand and three World Cup winning team. And I think any player would be England captain if they were in the current England team. Jason Leonard, I know he didn't start and it was yeah. it was Trevor Woodman, but okay, Jason Leonard, Phil Vickery, Martin Johnson, Ben Kay, Richard Hill, Lawrence Delalio, Neil Back, Matt Dawson, Johnny Wilkinson, Will Greenwood, Mike Tyndall, Ben Cohen, Josh Lucy, Jason Robinson. The leadership in that team yeah. is ridiculous. Vir- virtually every player there... <laughs> Was that JB? Oh my God, <laughs> JB's not here and my phone has, has just gone off. The curse of JB. Uh, it wasn't JB though, no. Virtually every single one of those players um, captain their club as well yeah. at, at various stages, whereas the England team... Well, probably would, half of them at least have captain uh, England. At yes, least. yeah. Whereas it, with England, besides Tom Wood, I don't know who it'd be. People were suggesting Mike Brown... No. no, no, no way, not, no way, not cool head enough. Forget, talk about on tilt. Yeah, God, <laughs> uh, Ben Youngs as Ma- well. Ma- Mike Brown, if if he wouldn't have kicked for corner or kicked for sticks, he'd have just tapped and run into <laughs> <laughs> run into a Welshman. <laughs> ben Youngs is, is another one who's been who's come up repeatedly, but I don't see the leadership. I don't see. 
I don't see the consistency that no. you need. I think he, he can be very good, but at times he looks kind of lacklustre and almost disinterested at times. So, so. we've got a leadership vacuum. In that. I mean, Joe, Joe Marler was his club captain at Harlequins, but... I mean, apart from the fact he was dreadful, I was so disappointed in Joe Marler against Australia. He's also a little bit of a clown. And that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons I love him. Yeah. Um, but but there you go. Um, just a couple of tweets. Andrew Miller says, um, don't get so bogged down choosing a captain. Just pick your best team first, then choose one of those from the 15. It's probably the best tweet we had on the subject. It's probably the yeah, most sensible thing that, to do. That is sensible, but there's not many changes you'd want to make to that. No. Inside centre, I'd question mark, hooker and possibly tight head. And if we had a world-class seven, we'd slot them right in. Yeah. But it's not far off the, the starting 15, and there's still very little leadership. And part of it goes back to the other point that you made last week, Tim, which was 24 out of the 31, uh, it's their first World Cup. There's a lot of guys between the 20 and 40 cap mark. You don't have anyone approaching the 80, 90, 100 caps. And with that experience comes the leadership, comes the decision-making. So it'll, it will take time to get to that position. Do you want to hear what JB's got to say? I'd love to. I've not heard this yet. Uh, no, okay, right. Oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what that email was as well that, that we got disturbed by. Oh, yeah. It was the guy who's organising the Rugby World Cup fan zone in Manchester. Now, I'm hosting that. And so what I will say to anyone who's in the northwest of England or is going to end up being in Manchester this weekend, come along because it's not all about watching the England-Uruguay game on the big screen. <laughs> there's some amazing games to watch on the big screen, but there's loads of... Um, like Mike Tyndall's going to be coming down and we're chatting to him and loads of Sale Sharks, Jason Robinson, we hope. Loads of ex-players. The Rugby World Cup's going to be there. There's going to be loads of little um, activities you can do. And, and test yourself, bring bring the kids down in the day and then stick around and have a few bevvies at night. Good, good. Ad, good advert for it, Tim. Yes, thank now, you. Do you know what else is going on in Manchester on Saturday? Uh, there's a boxing fight. There's the grand final in the Rugby League. The Super League grand final? Yeah. Uh, so there'll be thousands of Rugby League fans milling about. That should be fun. I've, I've actually got tickets to the game as well. Oh, are you joking? <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see there on um, on... Well, any time this weekend if coming down. But right, no, here's JB. And this this does link in... I have listened to this. You haven't, Phil. Not yet. This does link in slightly with what we were just talking about. And here's JB. Hello, Tim. Hello, Phil. Hello, Web Chasers. JB here, sat in Sorrento on a balcony, having a few rugby thoughts for you all. Now, I thought I'd kick this little segment off uh, by referencing last week's Timology. Now, a Timology isn't what you think it is. It's not an aversion to things that Tim says, although I know many thousands of you suffer from this exact condition, <laughs> and I apologise for any insensitivity on my part. No. In fact, a Timology is an analogy that Tim made up himself. So I thought I'd give this a go. This time last week, England flight 2015 was cruising at World Cup altitude. Behind the stick was inexperienced and underqualified captain Chris Robshaw, and to his left was navigator Stuart Lancaster with his map held upside down. Captain Robshaw looked at his dials, which were spinning wildly out of control, looked out of his cockpit window to see the ground hurtling towards his face. Then he turned to Lancaster and said, Boss, I think we're going to crash. Stuart turns around to his captain and says, No, Chris. As long as we engender the right culture, believe in what we're doing, and ultimately are very good people, there is no way this plane will crash into that desert. Oh dear. We're three days past now, and what we thought was a harmless cloud of dust has now settled, and in fact, there are body parts, hopes, dreams, reputations, all scattered over desert cacti. It's a real mess. Looks like you boys are going to be needing A, a new coach, and B, a new captain. So, where do we find these two very valuable commodities from? Firstly, your captain. 
wait for it. You're going to think I'm mad. Not as mad as when I tell you about the coach, but this is pretty mad. <laughs> James Haskell. Captain Bantos. Not only a captain of Banter, but also a captain of Wasps with real-life captaincy experience. He's played top level in the Aviva, in France, in Japan, in New Zealand. He's won a Heineken Cup. He's been to World Cups, and he's even won the Premiership. He has done it all. Now, we're not saying he's going to take you to the next World Cup. He's not. But could he give you stability through the World Cup whilst you get this unholy mess sorted out? Quite possibly. In fact, hear me now, believe me later. Wasps under his stewardship will do extremely well next year, and you'd be very wise not to overlook that man. Uh, briefly then, Phil, what do you reckon? What do you make of that? Uh, Haskell is a solid, solid squad player. Um, can do a job in several positions. Are you I talking about him and Chloe Magley now? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't think he has the intelligence to be an international captain. I know he does it at Wasps, but it is very different. Yeah. Uh, who do you think he's going to suggest as England coach? England head coach? Uh, well, he's already suggested Steve Diamond and Malinder and Baxter. Okay, well, let's have a listen. Second of all, this is the more controversial one, and I think you're all going to think I've completely lost it, but it's fine. I can deal with that. I give you Steve Diamond. <laughs> I've been thinking about this, and no one does more with less than Steve oh, Diamond. Dear. I mean, he has a pack with a Russian and a Moldovan. He also has Avion Lewis Roberts, and they still win games. In fact, <laughs> they're constantly in the European Cup. And don't worry, he's not going to be drawn into all this culture. In fact, not only will the players not be signing their mother's names on shirts and telling us how special it is to be an England player. No, they won't be doing that because they'll be too busy shoving their spare shirts down the throat of the opposition. Steve Diamond is your man. Maybe as a forwards coach, maybe as a head coach, but you need that guy involved in your setup. Now, I was going to cry, but my team's still in the World Cup, and I was going to eat some cold curry. But as it happens, I'm going to go for a nice plate of seafood linguine. Right, boys, see you next week. (laughs) (laughs) JB living it up in Italy very good very good a little bit of magic there from JB <laughs> I enjoyed that I really enjoyed uh, that I enjoyed that as well although he I, I am going to say you're 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 completely lost the plot if you think Steve Diamond should be anywhere near the England setup in my opinion yeah he, he does make a good argument about he does a lot with very little mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that's what you want from an international coach no not one who has biggest resource pool of any team in the world available to him exactly I know JB loves to attribute the whole England demise around culture. Yeah. Um, I actually think the culture, whatever you want to call it, however you want to badge it up, but the pride in the shirt, the, the team spirit, all of that that Stuart Lancaster has brought to the England setup is great. I think that is. That's his biggest success? Yeah, that is his biggest su- success. Oh, he's wow, done that very well. And he's got the, the, the fans engaged. The atmosphere at Twickenham was sensational, yeah. better than it has been at any time I've been previously. He's done all that good stuff, but tactically, strategically, from a selection point of view, he has demonstrated that he is a little bit out of his depth. I think what I think he's demonstrated is not not that he doesn't know what the answers are, because I think if he just went with his instincts and did it, he'd probably make quite good decisions. But the pressure's come on, and you can understand pressure with the weight of expectation in a home World Cup and he's just lost it under pressure. Because, actually, I I was thinking back on Stuart Lancaster, and I was thinking, do you know what? I remember when England lost 3-0 away in New Zealand. But I remember being really heartened. I was like, we had a go. And he picked a a really kind of 
attacking team that were kind of really trying to take it to them and playing an expansive type style of rugby. Nothing that we saw in the two big games against Wales and Australia. His selections almost contradict themselves because he picks an exciting back three and he picks Jonathan Joseph, who are all like superb attacking players. But then you pick Brad Barrett. So you've got all this firepower out yeah. wide, but you've got no means of actually getting the ball to them. He's not a heavyweight that, that has been there and done it yeah. and has experienced these pressure cooker moments. I mean, J- JB's not here, so he can't defend himself. But JB also thought on a very, very different level of coaching, he could go from just doing no coaching to being the first team coach at his local club. (laughs) Had he done it, I would say it would have been a disaster and he's doing the right thing, actually going, I'll take one of the lower teams. Taking one of the lower teams, although he's been playing on the wing for the last couple of games because they've not had enough players. Well, that's bad management, that, isn't it? (laughs) Poor man management. Poor selection, poor man management. (laughs) Right, I just wanted to play something that um, I heard and I'll credit BBC Radio 5 Live for this one. Mike Tindall was on there and he had this to say. He's not had to go rebuild the full team. He still had the quality there, but... Uh, he's talking about Michael Checker. Again, he's worked on culture like Stuart Lancaster has and, and the pride of playing for the for green and gold. And he's getting the best out of them that way. Basically, what Mike Tinder was saying was, My- Michael Checker's done exactly what Stuart Lancaster has done. But the difference is, when it actually gets to times when it matters, Michael Checker knows what to do. He's been there and done it. Yeah, That's- he really does. With his experience with Leinster taking them to Heineken Cup final, his experience with the Waratahs, taking them to super rugby title. He has been there and done it. And I guess the RFU have to be culpable here because they didn't learn their lessons from Martin Johnson. Yeah, his first coaching role, England head coach. <laughs> Briefly going back to um, James Haskell, JB's shout for England captain. James Haskell has had a little bit of a spat with Neil Back. I, I really didn't like seeing this. Controversy where there is none and mm. trying, you know, and there's been all sorts of things said about Cipriani and Mike Catt, which just strikes me like absolute rubbish from the outside, not knowing the facts. Um, didn't need James Haskell to, I mean, just keep your button it, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> just go and play your game at the weekend. You don't need to reply in a public forum to kneel back. Yeah. Questioning his, like, don't take it. Basically, what, what Neil Back said was, um, in response to James Haskell saying, I'm you know, proud to be playing for England, really excited about the game against Uruguay. Um, Neil Back said, have a good one and try not to take your selfie stick this time because before the Fiji game, yeah. Haskell was on the pitch with a selfie stick, which I don't really have a problem with. It depends how long before kickoff it is. Yeah. If it's 10 minutes before kickoff. Well, he wasn't, he wasn't involved. Oh. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365 day returns. So he was just out there taking a selfie in his suit before before oh. he watched the game. What does it matter then? No, I don't. Do. I don't really care. I, I don't doubt that he will get himself prepared for an England match when when it yeah. matters. Oh, um, absolutely. But James Haskell replied, saying, "Well, I mean, what, what are you what are you doing, Haskell? Saying this? You're so old and out of touch. Your eyes don't work. I hope your book sales go better than your coaching." <laughs> uh, <laughs> that when I first read that. It, it almost it was t- so over the top though. I was like is that just is it just good banter <laughs> like well it's not good banter is it just banter and it's going to be interpreted incorrectly maybe maybe he meant it with a little wry smile but oh i don't know yeah we we just we just 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 button it play really well against uruguay be humble i think just be humble yes um would be the the thing to do have we talked about England as much as we want to talk about them? I think everyone will be sick to death of us talking about yeah. England, particularly people who don't support England. Yes, okay, but I, I think it's important to to talk about because the last three days it it just feels annoyingly one sided. The, the conversation and it's all the same stuff. And like you say, there are people in offices and pubs who are fully entitled to say what they're saying. But I wonder if it's sort of led by a tabloid style assault on uh, England rugby yeah it's there's a lot of clickbait articles that will have a really strong headline and people will will buy into that uh, so we are going to have let's go through each of the pools pool A, B, C and D uh, and we'll tell you how it stands currently what teams need to do to make the quarterfinals what the potential and likely quarterfinal matchups might well be starting with pool A and a game which will be at Twickenham and an egg chaser um, who was the winner again? Toby Rigdon, I think yeah. it was. We'll be at Twickenham because he won our DHL competition to go and to go and see this game and what a game it will be. The winner will finish top of Paul A, uh, Australia versus Wales. Now, neither squad has been announced as we record. They're both due to be announced tomorrow. But we've spoke we spoke a great length about the Welsh injury situation. Australia have also got a few players who are well they've certainly got Michael Hooper who's definitely out because of his ban um, but they've also got Falau, Gitto, Horn all potentially missing because of the injuries they picked up against England so they won't necessarily be at full strength so I think Wales have got a good opportunity here to win the group it, It's they're both on 13 points mm. um, Australia have slightly better uh, points difference but if you're well, whoever wins that game tops the group. Yeah. So, uh, I think um, if Izzy Falau was even eighty percent, you'd rest him. Oh yeah, because he's so crucial to that team. And and they've got depth. They've got mm. uh, Kurtley Beale can comfortably Adamash the Cooper comfortably slot in at fifteen and do a very very good job. But you're right, an opportunity for Wales. James Hook was put out in front of the media, which I think suggests that he's going to be outside. Uh, he's going to be in the centre instead of Tyler Morgan, probably with Jamie Roberts. With yeah. Jamie Roberts. I wonder when the last time those two started in the centre together. Two thousand seven World Cup was was Roberts even involved back then? But that's a good one. When did James Hook and Jamie Roberts last start for Wales together? If they end up uh, being announced as starting uh, at Twickenham. I was more impressed by Australia than I was by Wales, but I'm impressed by both. And it's the I'll tell you what it is, it's the it's the grit and the doggedness of Wales that I admire. Although they haven't beaten Australia in ten attempts. Yes. Yeah. Home and away. Um this being on a neutral ground. 
Albeit it's a neutral ground that they've both won on in, again against <laughs> England yeah. in, the, in the past two weeks. Both got good memories of. Yeah, both all of their players have played at Twickenham a lot. Ultimately, they'll all kind of be happy because they're they're both they, they've both got out of the pool of death. So they that's kind of that was the objective when the pool started, wasn't it? Oh, if you've said first or second, if you get out of that pool, if you'd offer it to any of those teams on day one, they all would have taken it. But now, like you say, now it's so tantalisingly close for Wales that they could top the pool and be playing against probably Scotland. Yes. They'd take that all day. All day, baby, all day. Definitely. <laughs> uh, so that that's how Pool A uh, it stands. Pool B, South Africa are guaranteed to finish top. They've play, played all their games. And they will face the runners-up from Pool A, and South Africa looked ominously powerful that would be motivation enough to make me want to top the pool although the old cliches will come out you know if you want to win the World Cup you've got to beat the best anyway yeah unless Australia knock out South Africa New Zealand knock out Australia then you only have to beat one of the best <laughs> good point well made Phil <laughs> um, so South Africa will be top and who do you think they're going to end? I think they're going to end up playing Wales I I'd say it's more to. likely based yeah. on the two performances. But you you said Australia were more impressive. They were over eighty minutes, but the yeah, way that the way that Wales won that game, it was very very impressive the way they closed that out. So Pool B, yet yeah. Scotland play Samoa. Samoa without Alessana Tuilangi. Yes, That's really uh, annoyed me. If you haven't seen the incident in the Samoa. Um, Uh, Samoa-Japan game. game. Alasana Tuolangi took a run-up at a player. And I think it's fair to say that as he went through contact, he raised his knee, but you kind of need to raise your knee when you run. He was stepping into contact. He was taking contact. It was... If you've you've played rugby, you know know that step you make just before you hit a tackle bag? Yeah. Where you plant your foot and you move your body into contact. You you drop, drop your shoulder into contact and drive up and through it. Alessandro Tuolangi was making that movement with a person, not a tackle bag. So he was, yeah. in other words, a long-winded way of saying, Alessandro Tuolangi was trying to play rugby. <laughs> and he's been suspended for five games. Now, what's interesting, I find, is uh, the language used. So they've the offence is striking with the knee. But the, the he was Alessandro Tuolangi was running. The Japanese player got his head in the wrong place. Categorically, he got his head in the wrong place and... It is true the head struck the knee, but striking with the knee is an offence that should be off. Like it's yeah. intended to be off the ball, yeah. and it's it's like a punch or something like that. It, the other way round, what I'm going to say is, you in this striking with the knee, you can flip it and say the Japanese player struck Alessandro Tuolangi with his head. <laughs> so I want I want that Japanese player banned for five weeks for a headbutt. <laughs> Yes. Do you know what else? It's like uh, it's basically like when George North got clocked by the shin. Yes. Um, of someone of as he, Nathan as, Hughes it as was. he was diving in for a try. Nathan Hughes got suspended retrospectively as well. Nathan Hughes was playing rugby. George North was playing rugby. Collisions happen. It's rugby. Yes. Yes. For goodness' sake. Absolutely. Not. And now, and now a, a guy who's had a glittering uh, career for Samoa. He's thirty-four years of age now. He probably won't see another World Cup. I wouldn't have thought so unless he moves to number eight, maybe. Yeah, so he's not going to see another World Cup. So that is the end of his World Cup. And it's more than that. It it demonstrates again the the trajectory we are on if we're not careful and we don't all 
voice up when it happens uh, it is the trajectory where we are going to slowly but surely inch towards football and we do not need that no absolutely not no, just on the Scotland team it's um, a theme of the World Cup that we're talking about injuries again because obviously Finn Russell mm. missed the um, South Africa game from what the reports I've read it looks like they're hopeful he'll make the quarterfinals assume, right. assuming they get there right um, there's also Matt Scott and Ross Ford being treated for concussion. Uh, Lock, Lock, Johnny Gray and Richie Vernon um, are being monitored for knocks. So it's the Scotland squad mm. is thin, um, and there's no guarantee that they will beat Samoa. Um, but <laughs> the Scotland squad is as thin as Jim Hamilton's calves when he played for <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> but. There's no guarantees, but I do expect Scotland will have enough to be a Samoan team who they are out. They've not really got anything to play for other than yeah. pride. Uh, Paul C then, and New Zealand have already qualified in top spot, and Argentina just need to pick up. Um... If Argentina failed to pick up any points, Tonga could overtake them. But And just as with Paul A and B, when, you, when Wales know that uh, if they manage to overcome Australia, then Scotland awaits most likely well (laughs) some of the acoustic foam has just landed on me Uh, the dungeon is falling apart oh wow (laughs) it's not a spider Tim Wales know that if they manage to overcome Australia then they've got Scotland instead of South Africa same goes Paul D France and Ireland as they have their showdown for top spot they know that a win avoids New Zealand until the final. Yes. Now, it's not the sort of thing that's that's fashionable for coaches or players to say because it it shows maybe fear and you you want to have that kind of ethos of you don't we don't fear anyone and we'll beat anyone. But they must be thinking that even if they don't say it in team meetings and stuff. But every single Irishman has sat and thought I'd rather play Argentina than New Zealand. Yes. Yeah. Given that Ireland have never, ever, 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 ever beaten New Zealand, ever, ever, um, yeah, I know which route I would rather take. <laughs> yeah. Would I rather take New Zealand and the winner of Australia, <laughs> South Africa, <laughs> or uh, potentially the winner of Wales, Scotland, well, Argentina, then the potential winner of Wales, Scotland, it, if Wales don't beat Australia? It's a total no-brainer. Yes, so that game is absolutely massive. It is huge. Four forty-five on Sunday, um, and it's it is a, a massive game anyway because France, France after, I mean, probably since two thousand and seven, France have never really looked like the French team that we expect them to be. No, I mean they got to the World Cup final in two thousand eleven. In spite of their co- their lack of coaching, but they they seem to have actually got their team together. They understand their best team. They've got a lot of players fit, uh, apart from possibly Uge, and they're actually building something that looks very promising. That looks very dangerous, particularly in knockout rugby. Yeah, Ireland on the other hand, they have had a few injuries. Um, just reading the latest report, Easterby Simon Easterby has confirmed that all 31 of their squad were fit to train earlier today so they, they had that's da- big they had doubts over Payne over um, Carney Rob Carney 
Um, but having a full, fully fit squad to be able to train together and play the way that they want, the way that Joe Schmidt wants them to play, mm. will be massive for them. So that'll be a hell of a game. And I think in, I think Ireland will just have enough. I think they're intelligent enough to to work out the French strengths and weaknesses and win the game. Now, the French media know just how important Johnny Sexton is because they've been trying to uh, play a few mind games and there's been stories <laughs> this week in the French media saying Johnny Sexton used to push his weight around um, when he was playing for Racing Metro and he thought he was the big I am and uh, he wasn't very nice and all the rest of it. So they're, they're trying to... Um, kind of create a villain out of Johnny Sexton but I think that just says just how important he is I, I think they're getting him confused with Mike Phillips to be <laughs> honest <laughs> it doesn't sound like traits that Johnny Sexton has no it really doesn't um, but I think he will be the difference um, he's a player that I mean he would go into pretty much any international team bar maybe two one or two yeah maybe Australia uh, maybe now Australia, yeah, yeah, after his performance. Maybe maybe New Zealand, but yeah. besides that, yeah. And have, uh, he he is massive. And again, everyone's been talking about Hooper and Pocock this last week, but I'm I'm waiting to see Sean O'Brien on the biggest stage do what Sean O'Brien does. Yeah. A wrecking ball with ball in hand and a destructive force at the breakdown, just like Hooper and Pocock. Yeah. But potentially, potentially, he's even better than them because he has that ball-carrying element to his game he with the ball he can be so dangerous and he works very well in tandem with Peter Omani because mm. Peter Omani for a six in particular is very good at the breakdown so the two of them they are a real handful on the flanks oh it's really tough to call as well I hope um Ireland managed to keep their their front line pop props on the game or on the on the pitch for long enough because that's the one area that worries me is is when they when their props go off that they uh, they start to creak a little bit, and France on on the flip side when they when, when <laughs> Ui, Antonio Uini Antonio comes on off the bench on sixty minutes for his little twenty minute cameo, they, they can yeah. do some damage as England found out. But they're they're, they're starting props Eddie Benarus and Rabini Slimani, the uh, Parisian prop pairing. They're very very good scrimmages. Mm. They are superb in the tight. Um, so it'll be, that'll be that's probably the biggest area that France will look to dominate and Ireland will probably they might look to keep it out of the scrum or certainly get it out of the scrum as fast as they can do Australia, Wales and Ireland, France are massive, massive matches yeah you just look at it on probabilities if you play say, say if Wales play Scotland and then Ireland they've got a say 60% chance of beating Scotland or even 70% chance of beating Scotland and 50-50 against Ireland if they play South Africa and then New Zealand I'd give them maybe 30% chance of beating South Africa and a 10% chance of beating New Zealand so you just look at the cumulative probability it is going, going back to uh, going back to well you had poker earlier but let's go to the roulette wheel it's like going red or red or black twice yeah or going uh, on a on a line of sit or a, or, yeah. or a block of four twice. yeah twice yeah exactly the same exactly the same thing yeah very good analogy so uh, come on Ireland <laughs> let's let's do it I I, I I don't know France at World Cups though I know you you almost want uh, France to lose that game because then they will play New Zealand. Oh yeah! And now they... you're talking. <laughs> now you're talking. And they that uh, so it's a repeat of the oh, 2007 
World Cup quarterfinal in the same stadium as the 2007 World Cup quarterfinal. Oh, and that's the sort of fixture where, on the one hand, you go, um, like, like, and all the chat from New Zealand will be like, you know, uh, the fact that we've been here before has focused our minds and we know what not, we, we know how badly we want it, not going to avoid it. But also, in the back of New Zealand's mind, they'll be going, shit, we got France. <laughs> France in 2007. Still quite a few players from 2007 who were playing for New Zealand. Well, yeah. And also, like, heroic Du Sautoir. Yeah. He's still knocking he's around. He's still playing, yeah. And while he's still about, New Zealand still have to be scared because Du Sautoir won't be. Question, question for you, Tim. Yeah. New Zealand have got three wings in the tournament, Naholo, Milner Scudder and Surveyor. Mm. They're starting Milner Scudder and Naholo this weekend. That's a shootout for the... Who's, that's basically go and say who wants the shirt with Surveyor. That's what, I, that's what I'd say it looks like. Yeah, it looks like that to me as well. Who would you pick? I think I'd pick Milner Scudder. Would you? Or, or oh, I don't know. They're tough. They're both. They're both excellent. But um, I'm just trying to. I'm just thinking balance, and I, I like like Surveyor is everything. A yeah. Beast. But I, I quite, I quite like the, the intelligence of Milner Scudder. I would probably also pick Milner Scudder. I think Naholo, as an all-round athlete, is unbelievable. Um, but. I think he's possibly not as good distributor, kicker, decision maker as Milner Scudder because Milner Scudder experienced playing 15 as well. Um, very aware of the danger, very good positionally. Hands are very good. Not as big as Naholo or Surveyor, but I'd probably go for him on balance. Yeah. After Now that uh, Surveyor is back to fitness after being deemed too fat to start, <laughs> the uh, first rugby championship game of the year unbelievable <laughs> uh, I also I forgot there's one thing I wanted to play you a little bit earlier um, and I, 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 I this happens every now and again now do you remember when I played you that clip of someone on TalkSport what did he call Warren Gatland Oh, oh, <laughs> Justin Gatlin. Just, Justin, Justin Gatlin. Gatlin. He called Justin Gatlin. He said uh, it'll be interesting to see whether Warren Gatlin can beat Usain Bolt in 100 meters, um, especially after shattering both heels two years ago <laughs> and being what 50 odd and weighing about 18 stones. So every now and again, I quite like it. No, it's the, I mean, it's not a rugby mistake. It's nothing to do with rugby. But every now and again, I quite like picking up on funny bits of stuff from predominantly football people. And Ian Wright did that. And uh, it's another one of those literallys. You know, when people, <laughs> you know, when, and people, you know, you get commentators like Nick Mullins and stuff on uh, on the World Cup and uh, Miles Harrison, they never use literally incorrectly. Yeah. They're very, very careful. Ian Wright, on the other hand, he'll just, he'll just chuck literallys in all over the place. Unless this is real. Going into the game, you don't know what you're going to get. And what, what, what you got from Arsenal today was at intensity and players playing well. And what you, what's, what's not happening often enough for me and the consistency is that when I don't know what you're going to get Kel, you don't know how they're going to start they started no. unbelievably today literally blasted Man United off pitch like Liverpool <laughs> Suarez did they, what did they use to literally blast Man United off was it a water cannon is that <laughs> surely that is an unfair advantage that, yeah I, I think the FA needs to step in here Tim well I think the England team the England rugby team that's what we didn't get why didn't we just get some <laughs> some warheads just get some weapons of mass destruction pointed <laughs> pointed at Wales um, in that last three minutes and we wouldn't have had to worry about whether it was a line out or a penalty kick for goodness sake <laughs> uh, well done Ian Wright yeah cheers Ian
Um, right, so we've we've dealt with the rugby this weekend. Um, let's just rattle through it again. Oh, the really amazing thing is, Aviva Premiership starts next weekend. Oh God! Is it and what, excellent? And one, and one of the fixtures it starts with is uh, the the pick of the weekend for me, Bath v Exeter. Nice. So we're going to have plenty to talk about. I, w- I was trying to maybe you should tell us um, if you if you listen, tweet to at Rugby Podcast. I'm wondering whether we do that, keep that separate from the World Cup. Maybe we have a World Cup pod and a Premiership pod. Well, that's a good idea because the World Cup after this weekend, we'll do one post following this weekend, and then we could maybe midweek do a uh, Premiership pod. I think that might be the way to go to because keep... the, the World Cup is now only on the weekends following the. And it's week. quite nice because the, the the Premiership is basically in England, and England aren't involved in the World Cup, <laughs> and so we can we can basically talk about England domestic rugby and then about all the other nations who are still involved. Great idea. So Tim. we'll do that next week. But uh, so this weekend, so you're finally then just just rattle through. So Paul A, uh, Australia or Wales top? Australia going to win that game. It'll be very close, but I think they've got enough. I agree. Uh, Scotland will qualify second so it will be we're predicting Australia versus Scotland Wales versus South Africa yep that's pretty meaty pretty meaty matchups um, and then we have got New Zealand versus Ireland or Franceville we're so both saying Ireland I'm saying Ireland I'm oh saying... no no sorry no you're saying to play sorry, France France yeah Ireland New... will top the group New Zealand will play France and on that basis, Argentina will play Ireland. So just, I know we're we're gazing into crystal balls far more than we need to, so this is purely hypothetical. If it all pans out the, the case, um, Australia, Scotland, Australia go through to the semis. Yeah. South Africa, Wales. I've got to say South Africa. South Africa based on the tra- tra- trajectory that they are on. Yeah, like in, and so yeah, well, I'll get back to that in a second. There's something else that cropped up. Uh, Paul C, um, oh, sorry, Paul C and D quarterfinals then. So we've got uh, Ireland beating Argentina. That won't be easy, mind you. That will not be easy. I, uh, Argentina, I really like the way that they're building. Mm. Um, I think they've got a, a very good balance of a very strong dominant pack and they've got some real exciting backs as well. So that will not be easy. But again, I think if Ireland beat France, they've got enough to beat Argentina as well. And France, New Zealand, you never put it past France, but you'd have to back New Zealand. Yeah, I, I would still back New Zealand, but France have got <laughs> they can always they can always do it. But I would say New Zealand I'd expect to win, which would make it Ireland the sole Northern Hemisphere representatives in the semi-finals and would be playing against Australia. Yep, uh, and South Africa, New Zealand. Uh, at which point, I think we should stop all crystal ball gazing because yeah you, anything could happen between now and then anything could really happen as it literally will... literally anything could happen literally too. anything can happen literally this acoustic foam <laughs> squashed me when it landed on my head I'm literally flat as a pancake under this acoustic foam and uh, so I need to fix that before the next podcast which we'll, we will be back doing following the weekend's rugby probably on Sunday yeah Sunday night Sunday night uh, good uh, for me a nice one um I'm just wondering if I've got a little bit of audio of JB that I could use. Ah, oh, it's just uh, a little story about JB. Oh yeah, his his uh, nightmare that he had with the audio and setting up uh, the soundboard and or not setting up the soundboard. After that, on Sunday night, he promised me that he was going to come round to my house at nine o'clock because nine p.m. because 
me and my girlfriend had to move all of our furniture from three rooms, which is a lot of furniture, into the kitchen because we were having the floors sanded and varnished, blah, blah, blah. He never showed up. Me and my poor 50-kilogram girlfriend had to move massive sofas, massive tables, bookshelves, bureaus, TV stand, everything, because JB forgot about us. And... A week ago, when we were doing the midweek podcast last time, I had to rush off uh, in a hurry, but you helped JB move furniture I did. around in his house. I, I, I did exactly that, Tim. It's quite unnerving. We're in something called the Rugby Dungeon. <laughs> uh, we, we've called this the Rugby Dungeon. And, I, I know what you're looking at, Tim. Uh, uh, the, the one thing that's changed in the last few days uh, while I was at the NFL is that there's now a camera on a tripod in the corner of the rugby dungeon, which is, has been unnerving me all the time. So do you want to explain what that's about, Phil? Uh, I, I would if I could, Tim. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually know. I don't know what... So we're, we're here maybe two or three hours a week. I don't know what JB does with this the rest of the time. <laughs> He's got this new female flatmate. <laughs> I think it's a, this could be a set. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is... This table. I wonder, I wonder if JV's actually been watching us the whole time. Oh, Surrept- right. Surreptitiously from, uh, from Italy. If you are, hi, JB. Hi, JB. <laughs> uh, and we'll, JB will be back from Italy and back on the next podcast. Uh, so from JB, who's looking at us on the little <laughs> live stream on his little <laughs> dirty tripod in the corner of his rugby dungeon, uh, and from Phil... Thanks, Tim. And from me, Tim, we will see you next time. Um, Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Acast and at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. They started unbelievably today. Literally blasted Man United off the pitch. 